Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CX Cast. Sam Stern joined in studio by my co-host, Jenny Wise. Hi, everyone. Jenny and I are rolling solo. I guess not solo, but rolling as a duo <laughs> this week because I want to ask questions about Jenny's recent trip to Barcelona. And why did you go to Barcelona, Jenny? You went for the Mobile World Congress. And we'd yes. love for you to answer the question of what you learned and what you think uh, customer experience professionals, our clients, should know about the Mobile World Congress. Congress. So I think that's maybe where we should start. Yeah, let's do it. Really okay, easy, great. quick question there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll just start yeah. there. Why is <laughs> Mobile World build. Congress? <laughs> yeah, for those of you who don't know or maybe haven't been, Mobile World Congress is a huge conference based in Barcelona, which focuses on the sort of latest and greatest of mobile technology, as well as enabling technologies, thinking about, you know, 5G and advancements in artificial intelligence and also the Internet of Things and smart cities. And it's huge. So there are about 100,000 hmm. people that go. So I logged over six miles every single day just attending the conference. But what I was doing with all that walking was trying out some of the technologies and experiences that they were showcasing to see how good they were from a customer experience perspective. You're teasing us there, Jenny. I think it's a really interesting way to organize your walkabout. What did you see in terms of maybe the spectrum of good experiences and the way they were designing these VR yeah. interfaces or interactions and not so good. Just premise that quickly because the experiences run the gamut. I could walk through a smart city, try on all of these VR headsets, see how well they focus, but then also, you know, ski down the Alps <laughs> and, <laughs> and do all of these wonderful yeah, things. Yeah. And so it really runs the gamut of experiences. I chose to sort of home in on virtual reality this year. Okay. Um, last year when I attended, that was something that was huge. We wrote a report about this last year too, speaking about, you know, how robots and VR and all these technology advancements are being announced as fantastic, but still needed a lot of customer experience help. And so this year, I really wanted to home in on virtual reality because a lot of these phone providers also create virtual reality headsets. So those are part of the products that are being presented. Well, and I think that's interesting, just brief aside here. Mm -hmm. I mean, augmented reality is designed for you to be out and about in the world. Virtual reality is to take you away into a different one. I'm struggling for people to be wearing something like Google Glass out and about, right? Mm -hmm. They're still a stigma attached to that. But if you are just in your room, those glasses, the goggles, the headsets, the rigs, whatever we're yeah. going to call them, that is maybe more socially acceptable because you're in a private space. And even if there's someone else there, they probably are there because you're both yeah. or the group is doing virtual reality together. Like your form of entertainment. Yeah, which I think is interesting. It's, it's almost like it, it asks more of you in terms of its immersiveness, but it asks less of you in terms of social awkwardness because you're mm. not out and about in the world with some indication that you're, you know, like when the Pokemon Go craze was at its height, you could tell who was playing the game because they were walking around in the real world, but as if they were in another world. Well, they were still in the same world, but they were seeing things that didn't exist within that world. You were seeing these zombie humans sort of caught between two worlds. Yeah, that was funny. And no one had any idea what they were looking at if they weren't involved in it. Right. So yeah, the whole social component of VR is interesting. I think there's a ton of AR there as well. Right. Um, people are trying to make moves with AR first, just because it is easier to have people navigate a mixed reality world as yeah. opposed to a purely virtual world in VR. But one of the problems with the fact that virtual reality is so immersive is that I can't see where I am in a virtual reality world, right? I can't mm. tell what I'm touching or interacting with. And so from a design perspective, there's a whole slew of affordances <laughs> and design considerations that therefore have to be met and created for 
that experience to be positive for the user. And it also does limit what the applications are. So while I was there, a lot of the applications were snowboarding and <laughs> flying and a hovercraft. And it felt a little bit as if you're in an amusement park. Right. Like, okay, so VR is cool. It's creating virtual versions of other leisure activities. Yeah, right. Yeah. Without having to actually go to them. Right. And then there's also some travel that's involved. So you begin to see this as sort of just an entertainment and gaming world. So some of the other applications, though, that were more interesting than that is that there are some for professional training, right? For experiences that are either hard to emulate in the real world or infrequent or overly complex. So for example, one of the experiences I tried was I was training to perform surgery mm. as if there was a real person there yeah. <laughs> you were yeah, yeah, yeah. performing surgery on. That's a hard thing to emulate. Oh, that's so interesting. I, I'm sure there's countless examples of this. So that's the first one that's popped in my head where I can see a clear application for both VR and AR. AR as I'm performing the surgery, mm-hmm. so there's some information available, to, but VR to practice performing it countless times before the real time, which I think is so powerful. Yeah, that is interesting because when I was performing surgery, <laughs> as I was. <laughs> How did it go, yeah, Dr. Wise? It didn't go well, so I can speak to that too because <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was actually... Good. I mean, good was, that you had that learning. Yeah, this is one of the coolest applications that I saw where I yeah. really felt like VR can provide a ton of value, but it was also one of the weirdest ones from the interaction perspective that really didn't meet the expectation that I had for what it would be doing. So it was a dual user. So someone who was, this was at the um, HTC booth where I was trying this out. So someone who worked for HTC put on the other headset and was my assistant while I was doing the surgery. I was, when you said dual user, I was like, gosh, this isn't a sadist and masochist thing here. (laughs) They weren't the patient, were they? Oh my gosh. No, no, she she was the assistant. And so all you could see in the real world were these purple gloves, which represented our hands while really we were both holding controllers and sort of this like floating head just to sort of provide some affordance of a person being there. And she would hand me tools that I I would then have to pick up by pressing a button on the controller and there would be this pop-up square which would say you know step one do mm. this step two do this so i could completely see that happening in a oh, practicing environment to have this pop-up telling you what the step is and perhaps what the tool looks like yeah gosh i wasn't even thinking of that but like fusing the two together right yeah ar in your vr yeah. Okay. And that makes sense. If if the, the VR mixed. all the mixed. <laughs> if if the VR is preparing you for the real world and in this new future that we're going to be living in, your real world will have augmented reality to help, yeah. then your virtual reality should have augmented reality to help you train for the actual scenario you'll be in in, ah, in the new real world. Right. So be familiar with cool. those pop-ups and where, where yeah, they'll be and what they're, they'll say and what the tool looks like. Right. If you didn't practice with them, they'd yeah. be jarring once yeah. they were happening in the real world. Fascinating. You mentioned it was weird and you had the assistant. So strange. So what was strange about it? What didn't go well? So what was weird is that in my mind, I am performing surgery, which isn't true, but that's how you should feel in an immersive training environment. And there would be things like I would have to pick up these scissors. And to do so, I would just hover my hand with a controller over them, press a button, and they would magically lift up to my hand. Whereas initially what I was actually doing was I was rotating my hand so they'd be at the right angle to pick up the scissors. And by doing that, I would throw off where the controller was and I wouldn't be able to. Oh, that's really so interesting. So any type of fine motor skills was completely lacking. And then yeah. I had to open the scissors. And to do that again, I pressed a button. Huh. Whereas initially I was trying to actually open my hands just because that's what I'm used to. And in doing so, I kept releasing the part of the controller, which was keeping it held up. And I kept dropping the scissors and they would just disappear into the patient oh over gosh. and over again. And you were that doctor yeah. leaving your tools inside of the patient. Yeah. You know, it reminds me almost of, um, I'm not good at painting or drawing, but they say hands are like the hardest thing to draw. And, you know, that's a ancient Render. form 
of yeah. virtual reality, right? A, a painting to visualize real life. And this, you know, it's like the same problem repeated thousands of years later, where the hardest thing to do is approach the fine motor skills yeah. in fingers and, in, you know, the opposable thumb that makes us you know, a unique species. And it's not easy to get right, even in our technology we created. Yeah. And so that was something odd. And then I also just couldn't help but thinking, you know, if I'm training, there should be some repercussions if I'm going to drop scissors into a patient, right? (laughs) Or my hands would just disappear like into the patient too sometimes (laughs) if I moved it. So I understood it was going to teach steps. I understood it would teach the roles of the assistant and the other person, and it would show you the tools. But anything else beyond that, the VR experience just completely failed. In the past, Mm -hmm. one of the challenges with VR that I've heard about has been the technology limitations, right? That people get seasick, I think even, because the movement, it's sluggish compared to real life Mm -hmm. and it throws you off. It tells your brain or, or, you know, your other senses that something is wrong. So I wonder, you know, at this year's latest technology and they're trying to put their best foot forward, how would you say we in 2018 are doing with those technology limitations? That was much improved. And very good knowledge as well there because you're getting that sort of a a high speed, low latency uh, connection, which is what's required so that Ah. there isn't this lag in what you see in the frames versus your movement, because that is exactly what triggers people to have motion sickness in these experiences, which is definitely something that still happened today. I had to section off my days to try these experiences and then give myself a break in between it so that I could be recovered for the next experience because there is still that problem. And especially, you know, some people may fail it more than others, but that's something that everyone needs to think about when you're designing for an audience. But they've been improved, though. There are some ultra-low latency headsets out there now. We also noticed some other benefits, such as wider view headsets, so that you're not seeing a black border in your periphery, which also takes you out of the experience. Oh, yeah. Um, There are more trackers involved, too, so that your place in the experience remains more consistent um, and interacts with what's around you in a more realistic way. There were definitely those benefits. And that's something else that... Thinking of the larger themes of the conference, which were 5G um, and artificial intelligence, those hold a lot of promise for VR. Pretty much anyone that I spoke to there was saying, you know, this is the future of VR. When we have 5G, which will allow us to stream VR experiences from the cloud, right, as opposed to having to be on the device itself. So therefore, you can stitch them together in real time. You can make it more immersive. You can get into the social VR um, space more easily. You also don't need the cord to connect to the headset. One less thing that causes issues yeah, one, and gets in the way. Yeah, one more thing. And so that's where 5G is really going to solve the problem that you talked about as well yeah. as present these new opportunities. But those aren't going to be available at wide scale. You know, when I think about 5G networks until 2020 in some cases. Oh, wow. So this is a little ways out. That makes sense. Interesting things happening with VR. A lot of opportunity for our customer experience, professional yeah. clients to get involved here. It sounds like there's yeah. ample opportunity to make these better interactions and experiences for for the users, for the customers. And I imagine there will be plenty of opportunities for new uses for how immersive this is. And potentially, as you were saying, as the technology open up more possibilities, we'll see more of those use cases come to bear. So I guess my what I'm my point there I'm trying to make is if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, VR is not really for our industry. And I think true to date for many industries, right? If you're not in snowboarding or yeah. uh, video games or some of these others where there's the clear use case, but as more use cases open up, 
I think it will touch more and more industries and make sense for more and more employees and customers. I think VR as a purely immersive form has its clear limitations. But when we begin to look more at, you know, what we'll call mixed reality, which is this overlay of the VR, maybe more AR focused, social, but you're still in the real world around you. That's where you sort of really open up the door. Okay. Well, Jenny, thank you for going to Barcelona, coming back and coming here to report to us. Three-step process. We appreciate it. I stayed, but I decided to come back. (laughs) Yes. I've heard, I've never been, but I've heard it's a wonderful city. So listeners, we will post some links to the Mobile World Congress information and reports on VR in the show notes. And we will talk to you on next week's CX cast. Bye for now. Listeners, if you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at cxcast, one word, at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality. <laughs>